What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another edition of Green with Envy. A happy belated Thanksgiving from your boys here over at Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me as he does each and every time. Best friend, co-host, coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. How are you doing on this lovely Sunday evening, my guy? I am doing okay. Boston Celtics just uh, lifted my spirits a little bit. I had a really, really rough day on the betting circuit. And I also just found out my girlfriend who went home um, to New York for Thanksgiving, she contracted COVID. So she's been gone for a week and she will continue to be in New York (laughs) for the next week. So I got to give a quick shout to Danielle. I hope you get better soon. I love you. Hope you feel better, Danielle. On on the good side, I guess there's there's a lot more Celtics basketball that we're going to cover this week. Oh, I, so, I, I got a ton of time now. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys are ever looking to engage with Greg over over social media, you got some takes, you got some questions. This is the week to do it, folks. The Celtics will have plenty of basketball. Greg's going to have plenty of time. The stars are aligning in that sense. But Danielle, obviously, uh, we hope that you feel better. But But right now, uh, for those of you that are used to Greg and I's format, every time that we record after a game, we always drop something that we like to call the morning box. So let's cue it up right now. Celtics win 130 to 121 against the Washington Wizards, going to 16 and four. First place in the Eastern Conference, first place in the NBA for the Wizards. Bradley Beal ends up with 30 points, five rebounds and four assists. Chris Stapps Porzingis, 21 points and four rebounds. For the good guys, the Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown filling in no Jason Tatum in this game, which we'll talk about here. Jalen Brown, 36 points on 13 of 23 from the field, eight of eight from the free throw line, added five rebounds. Marcus Smart, 14 points, seven assists, four rebounds. Malcolm Brogdon, 17 points, four assists, six rebounds. Seven guys for the Boston Celtics tonight in double figures. They shoot 47% on threes, 16 of 34 on on the night, Greg. Like I said, we knew uh, for at least a day going into this game, no Jason Tatum, and this has been one of the unique parts of, of this, you know, twenty game stretch. Now about quarter of the way into the season, just under that quarter uh, quarter percentage mark for the season, and the Celtics have been just getting wins in different ways, even without having to face extreme adversity. Other than obviously right leading up to the season, they, they've had these minor bouts of adversity. And they've always found ways to overcome. Tonight, no Jason Tatum which really looks a lot closer than it actually was, especially over those first three quarters. What were some of your thoughts on, on tonight's game? Um, I think Jalen Brown, you got to start there. You know, JB um, has been the subject of a lot of conversation. Shout out to our guy, Adam Taylor, who sent Celtics Twitter into an absolute frenzy <laughs> uh, recently with his article, um, which was actually kind of a love letter to Jalen Brown. And a lot of people misinterpreted it. Um, but basically that article, if you didn't read it, make sure you go check it out on Celtics blog written by Adam Taylor. I think it was published um, on Friday, maybe Talked Thursday or Friday. And basically the premise of the article was that Jalen Brown should continue to thrive in the play finisher role that Adam likes to talk about. Basically saying we have enough table setters on this team. JB is one of the most elite finishers and cutters and drivers and transition finishers in the game. Let's just let Jalen do his thing. And tonight was a great opportunity for Jalen to maybe show a little bit more than that, right? And I think what we saw out of Jalen Brown tonight was that he just continued to do what he does and just did it on another level with more efficiency and uh, more opportunity to do that. Jalen Brown was 13 for 23 from the field, only 2 of 7 from 3 
you and I have been talking a lot about Jalen Brown's free throws throughout his career. The first three years of his career, he was in the 60%. Uh, next three years, up until last year, he was in the 70%. And this is the first year that Jalen Brown has cracked 80%. And I know, you know, we're still not all the way through the season, mm -hmm. but it seems like he's kind of figured it out at the line. And I think that's a good place to kind of just start Jalen Brown getting to the free throw line and looking good doing it. Yeah, I mean, I just thought tonight he played w within himself. But it's interesting because you see some of the numbers that they went through the broadcast of, you know, the handful of times because Jason Tatum does not miss many games. I think that's one of the underrepresentative parts of un underrepresented parts of Jason Tatum's game is how little he misses time, especially in the day and age when you, I feel like the, the discourse around the NBA is, I don't want to use the software, but, but just a lot of guys having load management, time management, taking time off Jason Tatum, as we've been establishing, from last year and into this year is now a top five player, an MVP level candidate who doesn't miss time. And that says a lot about who Jason Tatum is, but in the small time that he's been out, we've seen Jalen Brown been able to, to ascend to that number one role. And I think tonight was another example of that. He had a season high with that 36 points. And to your point, Greg, of him getting to that free throw line, you know, I, I think from the jump, you know, he shot seven threes out of those 23 shots, but, but really it, it felt like Jalen had a real emphasis of, of getting downhill and attacking and being that play finisher. And I think part of that is built into the luxury of this team with the three the, the three-headed guard combo that the Celtics have, right? Because without that, you know, th there was a pressure of Jalen to be more. And I'm not, not saying that he can't continue to work on these things and continue to be better in different roles. But when you have Derek White, when you have Marcus Smart, when you have Malcolm Brogdon, you have these guys that it's it's in their DNA to kind of initiate. And it's in Jalen Brown's DNA, as Adam laid out in his article, to be that play finisher. It's almost a perfect combination. And then when you don't have, you know, Jason Tatum for a night like this, you see the way that it officially works out across this entire roster yeah and I, right here for those of you that are watching um on youtube uh, we have jalen brown's shot chart from last night's game against the wizards uh pulled up here and first thing when you look at that shot chart will what's the first thing that stands out to you uh that daryl morey wants to trade for jalen brown immediately <laughs> <laughs> it is his daryl morey's wet dream right look at this <laughs> look at this shot chart man i mean all those green circles within the paint. He was so efficient um, within the paint. He got to the paint at will. Uh, he only took, what, two, maybe? I mean, you could qualify them as I mean, there's even two there. of them that are basically on the edge of the paint, right? There's really mm -hmm. one shot definitively that I would call a mid-range jumper in this. And and to be fair, Jalen Brown is, is one of the more effective mid-range players in the league. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's just getting to the basket at will and Scal is often just like opining how, how much he loves Jason Tatum's, uh, shoulder shoulders and how strong Jason Tatum is and how much time he spends in the weight room. And it's not talked about enough how strong Jalen Brown is. And it looks like those underwater workouts like really did pay off. And it wasn't just underwater workouts. Like clearly he worked on putting on added muscle. Um, mm -hmm. I think in the finals, we always talk about what, what did Tatum learn in the finals last year? I think Jalen learned a lot in the finals last year as well, where he's one of the strongest guys in the league. And when things got extra physical in the finals, when it really mattered, he kind of got pushed off his spot a little bit more than you would have expected from JB who does such a great job holding his line. 
Mm-hmm. And I always talk about how Tatum likes to play through his shoulders, kind of like in the quiet Leonard mold, um, the Giannis mold. And I think JB plays through his hips a little bit more, right? He's kind of just got more functional strength than Tatum. And it just lends itself for the play finisher role that Adam likes to talk about and wrote about in a wonderful article that that he did write. I want to plug that article one more time. Um, and JB, I mean, he's cutting from the baseline in transition, 45 degree cuts um, from the wing. He's doing a great job. And then anytime there is the slightest crease in the defense, Jalen is taking off like a freaking rocket yeah. to the rim and he's absorbing contact. He's getting up into people's bodies early and then able to hang in the air and finish through contact. And like I said, he was eight for eight from the free throw line tonight to go along with what? How many layups is that? What? One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. It's like. 10 layups. Yeah. I mean, 10 layups, almost half his shots come from, from inside that paint right there, just making a living out of it. And I think one of the points that you touched on there, I think is really important is, you know, we've talked about from the beginning of the season, what's going to be different from last year. And especially after the, you know, coaching uh, change at the beginning of the season, what, what's, what is going to be the Missoula staple? And part of it's the Celtics getting out and running a bit more. We're obviously seeing the historic offensive numbers they're putting up, but, but I think a lot of it is, you know, you talked about Jalen Brown as sometimes we think of that, that trailer three, it's almost that trailer cut that he has coming down the middle as the defense is still getting set up and he's exploding to the rim off that. And at least, two to three times a game, the Celtics are getting, you know, these great transition looks for Jalen Brown, where it's not necessarily that he has to create it, but he's the one that's feeding off the ball movement, the the pace of play. And, you know, you're seeing that that makes a difference, making a difference with him getting to the line and then kind of coming full circle, you know, him going eight for eight tonight, you laid out kind of his historic line of, of where his free throw shooting has been. And if he's going to be, continue to be at that, you know, 80% level, that's kind of where we've always wanted him to be right was somewhere in that 80 to low 80 percent level and you know as we've seen him grow his game because the it's always year after year with Jalen right when he comes back from into a new season what else has Jalen Brown added what's the new twist to his game and this year you highlighted I think a lot of it is that you know that functional strength or you know being able to to not get you know pushed off his line being able to finish through contact being able to get to the line a little bit more as well as increasing those free throws uh, attempts and, and being able to knock them down so you know it's we've seen Jalen step up when Tatum's been out before as I mentioned. Uh, but I think this is kind of a, this is a new, this is almost a new, this part of this is a new team, right? So even though we've seen it before this team, you know, everything is geared towards the end game. So if God forbid, there's a moment where Jason Tatum is out in a big spot. This is the team that, you know, you're like, all right, can we win? Or what's, what's the levels that we can go to with this team. And I think a version of what we saw from Jalen Brown tonight is going to help this team. If we're ever in a spot without Tatum, be the best version of itself. Yeah, and I think to continue on uh, Jalen just for a couple more seconds here, because um, I do want to talk about the rest of the roster because I thought the the whole team played great yeah. tonight, aside from that um, funky stretch in the fourth quarter. Yeah, we'll talk about that too, but let's let's get through the good stuff first. Yeah, with with JB, I want to give him some credit, um, and I do want to like kind of clarify some of the points that Adam was making in that article because I think a lot of people took it as him saying that Jalen Brown just like shouldn't have playmaking opportunities, which I don't think is at all what Adam was saying. Um, and JB, to me, 
it's when he's in that play finisher role is that, that, that Adam has defined it as right. He still needs to make good decisions out of that. We're not saying get the ball to Jalen Brown and he has to score the ball. He still has to be efficient. He still has to see two and move the ball. Whenever he sees two bodies, he needs to make quick reads um, and he needs to just not force the ball. And I think he's done a really, really good job, especially in transition um, dr- driving from the left side of the court with the ball in his right hand. When he's attacking to his right and the Celtics are spaced with five out, he's doing a great job of not just putting his head down and barreling to the rim. He's being patient. He's looking to kick the ball across to the, the opposite side and just trust. But because the Celtics pass the ball so much and they're so efficient with their passes, he now trusts that the ball is going to get back to him. So I want to give Jalen a lot of praise for that because I, I think there was a, a you know, a time last year when everybody was like, man, Jalen Brown just like really can't dribble and he really can't pass. He just doesn't make good decisions. And he seems like he's the game um, is the proverbial slowing down of the Mm -hmm. game. It seems to be happening for him. He's playing at a much more uh, deliberate pace, kind of like a la DeMar DeRozan, where he's just like kind of getting to his spots and doing whatever it is he wants to do. And then that functional strength that I was talking about earlier, um, he, he just has guys like, at his mercy whenever he's driving the ball because once he gets his shoulder into you, there's really not much you can do. And then once the game slows down, those reads become easier. And then the Celtics, just the fact that they're spaced in five out almost yeah. all the time, it's just easy to trust that there's going to be a guy in the corner. There's going to be a guy on the opposite wing. There's going to be um, a big, you can do some delay action, get it to, or some get action, get it to him in the middle and then cut off of that. Like the Celtics all understand exactly how this offense is being run. And uh, Jalen is a big beneficiary from and he's come a long way. Yeah, lots of love and trust in this offense here. The ball's flying around. Everyone's in the right spots. Uh, from Taylor Snow of the Celtics here, saw this during the game, thought this was interesting. Celtics have now scored 120-plus points in seven straight home games, longest streak in over 50 years dating back to the 70s. I mean, th- th- this team right now, especially offensively, just a juggernaut. And I think even defensively, up until you know, like we talked about, it got a little, got a little, little weird, little, little weird Celtics Twitter was happening, kind of on the court, uh, you know, in that fourth quarter when they had to bring back the starters with about five fifty left or so. Uh, but you look up and down this roster tonight. Like I said, I, I highlighted during the morning box score, we had seven guys in double figures. So we've talked about Jalen, but you got fourteen from Al, you've got fifteen from Derek White, fourteen from Marcus Smart, seventeen from Brogdon, fourteen from Sam Hauser, who just continues not to miss and then 12 from Luke Cornett who's a guy I do want to spend uh, uh, just a couple minutes on here because I do think you know tonight was big especially when we talk about that fourth quarter getting weird he was able to be stay on the court a little bit longer Al kept Al under 26 minutes and that's really you know especially as we hear about Rob Williams getting closer to returning managing Al's minutes is something that I think for me is really top of mind and that while we need to ease Rob back in we can't forget that we still need to to you know be conservative with the minutes that you're getting a 36 year old Al Horford and I really think Luke Cornett's emergence over over the last couple of weeks as you know, maybe turning, and this is what I want to what I want to pose to you. Are we at the point now where we feel confident? You know, obviously not knowing what Rob Williams is going to going to look like when he comes back, and that's going to be you know that, that that's going to be a journey. Let's just say that when it, when it gets to that point. But do we feel confident that Luke's going to be our third big? And there's we we can kind of put the trade market watch on ease and just proceed as is with Luke Cornett. That's what I would do. I mean, I don't, I, I know that I mean, he he's given you plenty it. of reasons that we don't need to. So that's why, that's why I asked the question. Yeah. And I, I think with Luke, 
you know, obviously you need to see it a little bit more consistently. This is the first time he's ever done it in consistent minutes. Um, I think Missoula needs to continue to trust him, um, especially against teams that have bigs. You know, Luke is huge and Porzingis was kind of giving us a lot of issues being seven, three and just kind of actually a quick yeah. back. I saw this uh, tonight on Twitter. Do you know that Luke Cornett is the tallest American born player in the NBA? I also saw that on Twitter tonight. Yeah, I think I think that fact. was uh, Cameron who uh, tweeted that out. Uh, shout out Cam. And yeah, I mean, he's huge, man. Luke, Luke is huge. So, you know, when we go up against the Milwaukee Bucks of the world, right? And they have Brooke Lopez, who's a freaking brontosaurus out there on the court. <laughs> I think Luke can definitely do some damage there, holding his own and just being big around the basket, man. He causes problems. You know, obviously, Scal's like really, really pushing the cornet contest. Um, oh my god! I, okay, I, I'm I'm a little sick of Scal pushing it. Like, I get it. It's it's it it. it I guess it's working. I don't know if it's if it's if you if you were to actually find a way to pull up the numbers if it's working. But Scal's obsession with it is a little much for me. But that's a that's well. A I mean, this, that's what Scal does, though, dude. When he yeah, when he I gets get when he gets on something like last year, it was all about two for ones. All, that was the only thing he ever wanted to talk about was two for ones. That and total points should count more than average. It's like yeah. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't I don't know if I agree with that. But all right, but keep pushing your agenda. Yeah, but with Cornette, I think like the fact that he is seven foot three, he's got long arms, he moves his feet well on defense. He's now, you know, he had 16 straight shots made um, until he missed that three pointer in the corner tonight. But he's, he sprints into screens, he rolls hard, he knows where to be in the dunker spot. Um, and he, he's a good defender. He's a good offensive player. He he passes the ball well. Yeah. I don't know what else you could really want from your third big. Right. If we're asking him to be the backup center of the team, I think maybe you you you're like, eh, I don't know if I can trust him every single night to be the the number two big on the team. But to be the number three guy, absolutely. I think Luke Cornett can do it. And I think he should have that role for the rest of the season unless he just falls off a cliff, which is possible, but I don't see it happening. He's playing really well. Yeah, I mean, I think the last part you talked about with him moving the ball, I think that's been probably something I didn't expect from the little bit of sampling that we had Luke Cornett coming into the year. I knew he's a smart basketball player, but, you know, he's making a couple passes where he's the role man. He's basically having a tip pass or a quick fingertip pass over to the corner. And, and you talked about it earlier, a lot of love and trust in this team that people are going to be in the right spots at the right times. And, and Luke Cornett is clearly bought in. And I do think that he's played very well. And I agree with what you said at this point. You know, obviously, I think it depends how much of Rob we get to see leading up to the trade deadline and how confident we feel that Luke is, in fact, going to be that third option and not a second option, because then there could be some playoff matchups that you don't feel great about that. And maybe you want to make a move. But for now, until we see what Rob looks like, I'm very happy with with those three big men going forward. And, you know, Luke Cornett deserves all the flowers that he gets, you know, but looking around at this, uh, you know, before before we take a break here. Let's touch on, you know, the white smart Brogdon combo. I said this before going into the season. It was the most exciting part of like, other than obviously, you know, Tatum and Brown, they're, they're superstar stars, but you know, looking at these three guards, I don't think any of them are going to make an all-star team. I think, you know, Brogdon, depending if Derek White ends up going to the bench, they're, they're going to have six man of the year cases. We know Marcus smart one defensive player of the year last year. Uh, but these three guards, I feel really, really good, if not great, about going up against anybody in the NBA when we, you can continually run out three of these guys and whether that's two of them on the court at the same time or even all three of them, you know, or one of them with the Jays. It is just a really good feeling to be able to have all three of these guys at your disposal night in and night out. And all of them played really solid tonight against the Wizards. 
Yeah, combined uh, 56% from the floor tonight, 14 of 25. They made seven three-pointers, so they were seven for, uh, what, 12 from three mm-hmm. between the 11 three of, of 11 from the free throw line, you know, looking at, I think, let me see here, 14 assists between them, you know, and then of course you get the defense that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And the one part of tonight's game that I think got a little bit away from, from me that I was a little disappointed was I wish Malcolm Brogdon, the beginning of that fourth quarter took a little bit more onus or ownership of, of the offense. It was kind of just hanging in the corner, letting Peyton Pritchard and Luke Cornett run it, which was like, you know, I, I'd like to put our, our, our foots on the wizard's, throat right here not have to worry about bringing the starters back in and you know missoula ends up switching out white for for brogdon and and, and white took charge and, mm-hmm. and white was really good and brogdon was, was really good the rest of the game too, so i don't want to like harp on that too much um but that's probably the one nitpick i would have with this game but then white comes in and does exactly what i was looking for starts driving the ball i think scored five points in the in the fourth quarter and and so these this guard lineup that you have here with white smart and brogdon if they stay healthy, I really think this is one of the you know the best backcourts in all the NBA. Yeah, I mean we've got maybe the best backcourt. Um, you know, they, 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 we, there's not enough star star power in our backcourt to say it's one of the best backcourts, but it's just yeah. a solid solid backcourt. Just like we have one of the best like solid front courts when Rob and Al are both healthy, and then we have which we're going to talk about at some point. We have the best wing duo in the entire exactly. league without a doubt. And, you know, kind of bring this conversation full circle. Jalen Brown really proved that, you know, he he does know how to take a backseat to what Jason Tatum can do. But when he's given the keys and he's behind the wheel, Jalen Brown can really do his thing. And um, I was just really impressed with the entire squad tonight. Um, huge win for the Celtics. They got another one tonight. Uh, against the short-handed, short-handed Charlotte Hornets, that was kind of tough to say. Um, any thoughts on that before we go to break? Uh, let's pause on that because we're gonna, we're going to look back at this past week while we've been off here with Thanksgiving, and then we'll add that on to the end of it with our with our predictions. Okay. So let's take cool. a quick break. And we'll come right back. All right, so let's take a look back at the week that was. Obviously, with the Thanksgiving break, Greg and I came in hot at the beginning of the week and then took a little bit of a break, spent some time with the family, eat a lot of food. Hope you guys had some time off to yourselves, too. Got to enjoy it. But the basketball did continue. So the Celtics... In between that time, go three and one, a loss to the Chicago Bulls on Monday night on the road. Kind of a trap game, which we actually hinted at during our last podcast that that could be the time where we see that nine game winning streak come to an end. But right off of that, Celtics right back on track with a three game winning streak right now with wins over the Mavericks, the Kings, and of course the Wizards that we talked about at the front of this. Part of a six game homestand, the Celtics are currently, excuse me, a seven game, no, six game homestand, the Celtics are currently on a little bit of a weird schedule quirk. Six games at home, seven games on the road six games at home uh so a weird weird scheduling quirk for the celtics but three and oh on this homestand and you know greg before we preview a little bit of the charlotte game that if you're listening to this on monday morning monday afternoon or anytime before that game monday we'll give you all a quick preview of that and give you our thoughts you know looking at the week that was including tonight was there a particular game or a moment that that stood out to you about this the beginning of this homestand um, I mean, going up against Luca is always fun. You know, I think Luca was obviously impressive on the offensive end. Um, he doesn't play a lick of defense and the Celtics expose that. So when you, I guess, talking about where Jason Tatum 
stands in um, comparison to Luka Doncic is an interesting conversation coming out of this week because I think coming into this year, I probably would have said uh, if I had to choose between the two, I'd probably pick Luka just because of how otherworldly he is on offense. Mm-hmm. But with the leap that Tatum has made on the offensive end this year and his uh, continued improvement on the de- defensive end, there's not many guys in the league I would take above Jason Tatum right now, especially yeah. when you're talking long-term. I mean, that guy, he, he's got to have, you know, Bill Simmons always talks about the trade value. He's got to be right near the top of that list. Um, I was impressed with the way that he really rose to the occasion against Luka on a bad ankle. Um, and then, you know, with the Kings game, that was just, the Celtics just went to a whole nother level in that game when we were down by four, I think, um, in the third quarter. And then we just completely dominated the rest of the 30, game. I believe it was a 34 to four run, uh, end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter or so. Um, yeah, that really kind of shut the door on, you know, and the, and the Kings have been a lot of fun this year. The Kings have mm-hmm. been, you know, yeah, nice I've watched a lot of Kings out West. Um, and so I thought the Celtics, you know, deserve a lot of credit for that part of that. I think the Kings just started missing a lot of shots. Um, not that the Celtics don't deserve credit for their defense on that, but yeah, that Mavericks game with Tatum versus Luka, it's hard for that not to be what sticks out, especially the way that that game kind of ends right with, with Tatum with the dunk on one side and then the block on Luka at the rim, which kind of sealed the deal. Exactly. That's a moment. So that when you think of, you know, two guys who, especially early in the season, and we'll talk about this in an upcoming episode here, we look at the early MVP standings, those are two guys that I think right now would have to be in most people's probably top three. And when you scope out and you think about who would I take for the next X amount of years, I'm with you. I've, I've said Luca from the beginning, because Luca has been in the league four years, made all NBA first team three times. And I, and I, I think it's, it's still tough to decide. I think it's closer to saying that Tatum with his two way ability and his increased ability on offense to be that lead guy in every aspect, not just scoring, but every aspect is making it more of a conversation. I, I think the parts where Luca gets a little bit of an advantage fair or not, because it's, it's, it's going to make his life a lot tougher is that he has a lot less to work with. And that's always been kind of the downfall of his run with the Mavericks thus far is when you look around the league at, you know, he doesn't have a bad roster, but when you compare it to the level of talent that's on the Celtics and how it complements what he does, there's just not enough there. When your second best player is, you know, whether it was Jalen Brunson last year or this year, it's supposed to be Christian Wood, Spencer Dinwiddie. I like Dorian Finney-Smith. Tim Hardaway, I thought was a loss for them and he gets overlooked, but he can't be your second guy. You know, those are, those are a couple of those are some nice names, but those aren't, you know. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and then you start to look at Marcus Smart, who just won Defensive Player of the Year. You start to look at, you know, even though he's not an all-star anymore, a former five-time all-star in Al Horford, Malcolm Brogdon. You look at all these different type of guys, and there's just not that same support. And that's where I think the Luka-Tatum combo is really tough to delineate, because if you just look at it from a two-way perspective, the answer is Tatum, because like you said, the defense isn't even close. And then the offense from Tatum to Luka is a lot closer than on the other side of the ball. But I thought that was a, a really definitive and a really fun game to to have. And, you know, that was nice, nice little, uh, you know, pre-Thanksgiving treat on that Wednesday night. Yeah, Luka doesn't play any defense, though, man. Like, it, it was actually really alarming to watch him try to cover Tatum and Brown. <laughs> it was like, like when you, when you attack him with athleticism, there's mm-hmm. really not much he can do in space. And the way that the Celtics, like, play that five out style of basketball where he's, he's big, but he just can't, he, he just can't, he can't move that way. That's yeah. just, that's just not really, 
in his repertoire. And that's where I've always, uh, that's where it leaves me curious for, you know, from Maverick's perspective, because he's led the league in usage for about the last two, three years. And it's, it's a really, really high usage rate is, is part of that because he carries so much that he can't, that like physically he has to, to conserve some of that. No. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's maybe a little <laughs> bit to it. I, he, I mean, he can't play any defense, dude. He's his feet. He has cement shoes on the defensive end when he's moving laterally. He like, even think about the way that he plays offense. Every, he, he, people don't talk about it enough. Like he moves in slow motion. Yeah, he, he plays basically does. He, he controls the, the game. Yeah, yeah, he he does the Kyle Anderson on offense like a lot. He moves at his own pace. He uses his body really well. He never explodes like almost ever. Yeah. Does he ever explode? Um, everything he does is at his own pace. And on the defensive end, unfortunately, you can't play defense at your own pace. You have to then you know pace up with the rest of the the the, the guys that you're covering. And the way that the Celtics play offense and the way that some teams are going to attack him, they're just going to get him out in space and they're going to just go to work on him. And, and the Mavs don't have... Like if you had a Tyson Chandler on the back line or somebody mm-hmm. that that could erase all of those mistakes, like the Mavs used to have back in the day when Dirk couldn't really play any defense, but they had you know Tyson Chandler with it. Yeah. It's a different style of NBA back then as well. But there, you know, there's no Bam Adebayo, there's no Anthony Davis back there with Luka Doncic. Christian Wood is not that guy. Yeah. They kind of wanted. I would say that that that's who they kind of wanted to be that, but that's you know that's probably a bit too much for Javale McGee to be. Yeah, yeah, and he's a liability on the offensive end. So. Um, he, he's really underwhelmed for them and he's kind of getting played off the court. Um, but Luca, he needs some help there. But if we're, if we're choosing between Tatum and Luca right now, the way that Tatum has been playing after last year's run to the finals, I'm taking Tatum, you know, six out of seven days of the week. (laughs) Gotta, gotta leave room for that one Luca opportunity where it's like, Oh man, I should never question Luca (laughs) (laughs) just in case that's out there. But just before we can get off the Mavericks topic, Miles Turner Mavericks. Do you think that's a fit? Hmm. I don't know what they have to give up for Miles Turner. Uh, forget about like the, the legit, just as far as like fitting into that backline defense can do, can provide you with a little bit of offense. Do you think that's a match with Lucas is more of the question. Forget, forget all. Yeah. The yeah. Why not? Uh, he, you know, he, bought, he, he, he's a good offensive player, he protects the rim. Um, he's probably going to get roughly around what he's making this year as a contract next year. And I think the Mavs have some, have some space. So mm-hmm. sorry, I burped. <laughs> that's okay yeah we can leave it at that but that was just a name as you were kind of going through what might work with luca that jumped to my mind of course he's been in trade discussions for only three and a half years so maybe maybe someday he'll he'll actually get traded but for the celtics let's look ahead to this week so as we're recording this is sunday night right after the wizards game as you're listening monday night they should be taking on the charlotte hornets at home followed by wednesday against the heat and friday against the heat and then on the road sunday against the nets Greg, with this Hornets team on Monday night, so Tatum sits out Sunday night against the Wiz. We don't have, as far as right now, I'm kind of scrolling through Twitter just to see if we get any updates while we're on air. Um, Don't know if he's definitively going to play. Maybe they'll end up resting JB. We'll kind of see. But the Hornets come in as a team that's kind of reeling. I think for me, they're one of three you know eastern conference teams along with uh the magic and the pistons i just don't think i have any hope of of making the play in or the postseason um gordon hayward old friend gordon hayward old stories with gordon hayward injured gordon hayward once again you know goes down with the shoulder injury a couple days ago uh what are your thoughts on on this game coming in feels like it, I, I don't want to be too brazen feels like this should be a game the Celtics can can get and maybe even rest a couple of guys on a on a back to back but maybe that's that's being you know 
a, a little bit too chesty. Yeah, that's a little chesty. That's a little bosomy, if you will. Um, I, I don't think the Celtics can just like beat the Hornets with our bench, you know, with our role players. I think we need to have either Jason or Jalen playing in that game because they still have talent. They still have guys that are problems. You know, Terry Rozier is still on that team. Kelly Oubre always plays well against the Celtics. PJ Washington is a problem. You know, they have some guys that that could give us issues if we don't come to play. They're an NBA basketball team. Um, they don't have Gordon Hayward. I think LaMelo is still out, um, if, if, if I'm correct on that. But, you know, they, they can play hard. Um, Plumlee can cause some problems. Uh, I like Nick Richards. I don't know if Nick Richards is healthy right now, but I like him a lot. He's, he's a really strong big who I think if we had, you know, Robert Williams playing in the game, it wouldn't be an issue. Uh, I don't know that Al Horford will be playing. He didn't play a lot of minutes tonight. I mean, see, yeah, I kept it under 26. It was, yeah. it was, so that was one of the things I touched on with, with Luke Corn at the top. That I thought was huge that he was able to take up the majority of those fourth quarter minutes. And mm-hmm. even though Al came back in, Joe was able to have him be the last guy to come back in. In. Um, real quick, LaMelo Ball is out. Dennis Smith Jr. is out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, Gordon Hayward is out for the for the Hornets. So I agree that they can't just, you can't just expect to, to show up and win. You still got to have some mm-hmm. of your guys. But I do wonder if JT's able to go. I was like you, I kind of assume this is a game where Al will probably get to rest. Mm-hmm. They've talked about looking for moments for, for Brogdon to get rest just to kind of play the long game. So, you know, if you were to, to maybe sit Horford, Brogdon, and let's say Tatum comes back, maybe you rest JB. Is that enough? Or, or I, I mean, I why mean, it's obviously a game. Why are you suggesting to rest JB? Uh, more just finding teams that, so this is just something for me that I think as we talk about with Joe Missoula, right? He's still kind of figuring out a few things. We've talked about his timeouts and trying to make sure like, Hey, get some guys, some extra rest for me. I know this team has more depth than last year. So maybe it's a little PTSD of back to last year when we basically went eight or nine deep. And I think that's while that was part of the turnaround. It's also part of our demise towards the end of the season is that these guys just ran out of gas. So for me in like a night, like tonight, that's where I'm a little disappointed when I watch that wizards game where it's like, ah, I wish Brogdon really was assertive in that first four or five minutes step on their throats. The the starters never come back in. They get a full quarter off. So it's for me, it's just trying to find ways for your best players to be able to, to take a night off here and there. And it cannot affect the team and its win loss record. And so obviously I'm looking at the Hornets a little bit wounded. You're, at home you know you're here is for this long you know home stand and so if you bring back a guy like jason tatum maybe this is a night you can sneak in uh a little bit of rest you know and and that's all it is is, i'm not saying it's necessary but i think throughout the season if you're playing that long game there's opportunities that you need to try to take advantage advantage of with scheduling and just get your guys some rest even though that's not you know the it's not the funnest thing in the world to do but i still think it's a necessary evil when it comes to looking at the big picture yeah, I, I don't disagree with your overall point. I think that because the Hornets are, you know, at the at the bottom of the league, I think you could find ways to rest the guys while continuing to play them in that game, similar to what we saw tonight, similar to what we saw in the last game where Tatum didn't play the entire fourth quarter. You know, if if we take care of business realistically, we shouldn't have to play those guys big minutes in the game tomorrow. Horford has been sitting out back-to-backs because he only played 26 minutes tonight, and he didn't have to do all that much in the game tonight. Like, maybe he, they they play him, and they're just like, you know what, let's take care of business. Let's play three really solid quarters in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter. Hopefully, we can do um, what we didn't do tonight and just rest everybody in the fourth quarter. Um, that's kind of what I'm expecting. I was wondering if you were saying rest JB because he was kind of like clutching at his shoulder a little bit. I mean, that's another part point. of it. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that's another part of it to the degree of, you know, like if this wasn't, you know, a, a Sunday game in November, I'm sure Jason Tatum's playing. Right. And so it's very similar to that where it's, Hey, maybe JB could definitively go, but if we can get him, you know, Monday, Tuesday off, and then he comes back Wednesday for a game, depending on who's healthy for the heat that they might be pretty hungry for, because their season's a little bit on edge and you know, they're going to come in and try to play a little bit of bully ball, try to get rough. You know, maybe this is a time where, where you save just a lip, the 25 minutes that he might play. You just save that and give him a little extra rest. So, yeah. you know, Something to think about. I don't think it's necessarily 100%, you know, something that they have to do, but something to think about. And especially, like I said, when you have the Heat coming to town for two games, Wednesday, Friday, uh, they've been really banged up this season as well. So I'm not even sure who's going to be available for those games, uh, but it'll be the Hornets. Heat back-to-back, and then the Nets on Sunday, which we'll be podcasting right after that game to break that all down. Uh, before we leave this Hornets game, Greg, do you want to try and give a give a prediction? And who knows? Maybe maybe we're predicting the future here. Maybe we're going to be way off. What do you, what do you think the final score would be? Um, let's go Celtics one thirty-five, Hornets one fifteen. I'll go one twenty-seven to one o two. Okay. All right, we got blowouts here, so <laughs> let's let's see let's see how those hold up. We will check back in on that, but for now, as we do each and every Monday, let's hit it with a vibe check. Top of the show. I was gonna bring up some of your gambling debacles from from today. So I'm gonna assume that that's where you're going with this vibe check for the week. So I'm gonna give you the floor and, and see where we go here. Okay, I'm a degenerate gambler. I'm just gonna throw that out there right now. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say that. All right, I hadn't placed a bet in I think four years, and then recently at my job, um, well, I guess I should keep keep true to the segment. I am not vibing with degenerate gambling and getting back <laughs> into being what a, what a bold stance. <laughs> um, I think that's the last, last bet I'm ever going to, I'm ever going to make. I just, you're out. Don't, the game. I'm, out, I'm, out, Jerry. I'm out. I was out for four years, bro. I was out for four years. The only reason why I'm I started making, contest. I, I started making bets again is because of my, my new job, a coworker of mine runs like a little betting thing and it just like got the juices flowing. And I was like, you know what? I really want to do it. But I mean, I've pissed away all the money. I don't have any <laughs> of the money that I had allotted for betting. Um, I, I can't justify putting any more money into this account. So it just doesn't make any sense. I have one more bet riding tonight, which is a, a tease. I need the Packers to lose by less than like 13 points. And if that happens, I'll have like $40 left in my account. Um, so <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. So the bad beat that I caught tonight, everybody, was I bet the Dolphins um, team-specific over at 30.5 points. In the first half, the Dolphins had 30 points. They then got shut out in the second half. 
if, if I, dude, I was like, literally, I was about to text you, like, see, dude, I told you, you should have made this bet with I, me. Dude, I almost texted you, and I was like, man, usually I'm, I'm against riding with you on some of these bets. Maybe I'm going to have to change my thing because you had a big hit earlier in the week with the Luca over uh, for individual points. And I was like, all right, maybe. And I'm so glad I didn't text you because then it would have felt like I jinxed you. But mm. it was blowing up everywhere, you know, as that game ended of how the Dolphins just 30 points in the first half, zero in the second half with that explosive. Did you offense. see how it happened? Uh, I didn't, I, I did not watch uh, much of that game. I, I was, and I was watching on red zone. So they flipped to it a, a little bit, but uh, tell okay. me more. So, so what happened was they completely blew them out in the first half. It was 30 to nothing. And then at this beginning of the second half, Tua took a couple of hits on his first possession in the second half and they freaked out and they took him out of the game because they didn't want him to get hurt. So they put in their backup QB and the the one drive they had an opportunity to maybe like get a field goal or something. The dude like fumbles a handoff at the 50 yard line and just ruins all the momentum. And they literally just handed the ball off the rest of the game. I, 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 I haven't looked at the box score because I can't look at it, but <laughs> I don't, I don't think they threw the ball more than like five times in the second half. And they didn't even try um, to really score the ball. They were just like the, uh, the Texans are terrible. They're not going to yeah. score. Uh, they scored. The Texans ended up scoring 15 points in the second half. So it was 30 to 15. So hey. I was hoping I was fingers crossed. I was like, Oh, maybe the Texans will get it close and they have to bring Tua back in. But there was a, there was a interception with like five minutes left in the game. It looked like maybe there could have been a pick six, but they pushed him out of bounds. And I was just like, ah, Hey, I'm this, done. Is, this is the Dolphins playing for the bigger picture. This is what I'm saying with the Celtics playing for that bigger picture. We need, we need Tua in, you know, in January more than we need him in the second half of a game against the Texans. But that is a, uh, a particularly tough beat when everything was looking right. And then not to pile on, but I know the, it, I was upset that I missed grabbing this. Luckily I didn't grab this. The uh, Jets and bears in a monsoon with the bears, third string quarterback, the jets using their backup quarterback. And that looked like a, for sure win. I know you doubled down <laughs> on that as well. So, I feel for you, man. Um, I'm out the game. I'm out. You got, here's the thing. You dragged me into the game. Hey. You're the one that dragged me into the game. But uh, I've, I've been up and down, but we uh, we hit on the Celtics in the over tonight. So we're we're, we're feeling good on a, on a Sunday night. We we got a winner. So we're feeling good. So but. did you do Celtics money line? Yep. So okay. money line in the over. Yeah, that, that's one of basically every time the Celtics play, it's either money line in the over money line in the under almost every game. Good for you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I, I, I hate you. I hate you for winning. <laughs> I know. That's why I, that's why I can't share too many with you because I know it's like, oh, I, I know. I know it's going to hurt. I know it's going to hurt. But so for me this week, my vibe check, I'm going with the World Cup, man. I love the World Cup. I am not a soccer fan, not a football fan any other time other than the World Cup. So I'm a bit of a phony. I'm a big phony. I'll, I will fully admit that I can name you maybe 10 footballers right now that are playing in the World Cup. But also, it's been fun to gamble on, by the way, just a side note. But uh, every day, having a game on, and it's kind of perfect timing, you know, being in Qatar, all the you know political stuff aside, just the timing of it, having it on with a couple of games throughout the day, throw it on in the background, get a little work done. You know, you can always tell when the, the octaves go up from the announcers a little bit. You never miss anything because a lot of nothing going on. But then all of a sudden, something really exciting happened. You hear the octaves start to go up a little bit. You look up, you see what's going down. Big fan of the World Cup. I think it's the best sports tournament that exists. Agree or disagree? 
Um, yeah, I agree. Cause I don't like soccer and I tune in and I watch it. So yeah. I, I wouldn't do that for any other sport because it, exactly. it, it is that exciting. Um, I just have a quick question for you. How what are you defining as an octave as you called it? Am I using the wrong word here? I don't, I don't know what, what you mean by that. Like as their voice continues to go up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you got it. Apologies to everybody I, out there. I was, I was trying to avoid doing that to save our listeners eardrums, but in, to ensure that we're on the same page, yes. I wanted to make sure that, that we, we uh, get there. So a couple of things. I thought you were referring to decibels. I thought that's what you had meant. Like maybe in, in terms of volume level. Yeah. And then, uh, it's pronounced octave, not octave. Um, but continue i agree the world cup is an amazing <laughs> an amazing tournament i just needed to get that the, the, the english teacher in you never dies <laughs> yeah I, I mean if we were hanging out with uh lorena and and her cousin who's who speaks spanish and i was teaching her some english and she was teaching me some spanish so that was fun the teacher never dies there you go you can take the teacher out of the classroom but you can't take the classroom out of the teacher i think i don't even know if i got that right it, it, it made sense, sort of. It made sense, sort of. So that's good enough for us. That's going to wrap up this edition of Green with Envy. As we said, we will be back after the after the first Miami game on Wednesday night, hitting you with a podcast Thursday morning. Greg, any final thoughts? And then let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. No final thoughts. You are going to hear the new release from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We are called Black Sheep Optimus, and this is our new song called Skywalking. Feeling good? Feeling great. Peace, everybody. Peace. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes. A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage. Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe. But I stay for a minute, cause I'm digging the vibe. I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes. Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe. Don't know what the deal is. I'm a typical guy. You know the one thing different is the state of your mind. I'm like, oh my my, someone throw me a rope. I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float. You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote. But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope. Cause you know that that embodied. That's what go with the flow I can sing a different song If I cannot hit the notes You had me taking off When you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't Let's go